0: Before we jump into this episode, I just want to thank each of you for joining me on this journey. I started this podcast at the top of the year with no idea of how my candid recollections of my experiences would be received, but I'm so energized, inspired, and fulfilled by the feedback I receive from each of you. To know that people across six continents and over 30 countries can relate to and find value in the experiences my guests and I share is just so fulfilling and very special to me. And though this is the last episode of season two, we will be back next year on International Women's Day. So be sure to tune back in for more lessons learned and money earned. Happy holidays.
1: Happy and you
0: got it, welcome back to the Urban Girl Corporate World Podcast. I am... Your dopest hostess with the mostest, Nicole. And I'm thrilled that you chose to get over the hump this week with me. I remember when I was promoted into my first leadership role. I thought this is perfect. I can tell everybody what to do and then we all can win. But it turns out that is exactly the opposite of what leadership is. I quickly learned that being a leader was about equipping the people around me with what they need to be successful. Leadership is not about being in charge or bossing people around. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Leadership is service. Today's guest is one of my former managers. In fact, she is the one who introduced me to the concept of servant leadership nearly a decade ago when we met. She now serves as the executive director of SOC Compliance. She's also co-founder and leader of their Women at Work resource group, among many other things, and I'm really happy to have her here. Natasha Volz, welcome to the show.
1: I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you. Do you realize, and I'm sure you probably do, that you and I started working for the same company on the same team and literally on the same day?
1: I do. And I remember that I got my laptop and you didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I literally read audit reports for like a whole week.
1: <laughs> I remember that. Our very thrilling first yes. week of work, I'm yes. sure it
0: was. Absolutely. I will never forget. Very memorable, to say the least. Uh, But what I also remember was that, and you may not know this, you were the first manager I had that I really developed a strong relationship with outside of the office. Like I've literally been to your home. I've met your husband, your kids, your sister, your mom, your dog, and you know, my family. And at that time, that was a really um, foreign concept to me. But what I appreciate is that over the years, we've maintained our relationship because you and your leadership style have, have really been instrumental to my own growth, both personally and professionally. I think one of my favorite memories of us and it's pro- favorite now probably wasn't a favorite then <laughs> um, was when I was sitting for the CIA exam and I, I was so nervous. I was coming to the office every day studying two hours before work. But I, I I wasn't completely confident. And I remember walking into your office and saying, hey, Envy, because I don't know that I've called you anything outside of your initials over the past decade. No, but I'm I, don't like, so. <laughs> I don't think so. And I'm like, hey, Envy, I think I'm going to push the exam back. And you said, no, you're not. And
1: I'll pass. I remember that. I remember Yay. you coming in. And I remember um, you were always you were so smart and you were Mm. so diligent and you had this calendar and you woke up at a certain hour and you spent two Mm -hmm. hours working and then you'd come to the office and then at four o'clock you'd turn over and start studying and you came in and you said, I'm not, I'm not ready. And I said, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I knew you had this innate ability. I mean, you were just smart. You got risk. You understood audit in a way that some of the managers didn't and you were a senior, I remember thinking, this is procrastination. This has uh-huh. nothing to do with how smart she is, how much she knows. Uh-huh. This is, she doesn't need me to tell yeah. her, oh, that's okay, honey. You'll, you'll do this later. She needs me to tell her, you've got this. Set a okay. date. Mm-hmm. Take it. And guess what? Either you pass or you didn't. And if you didn't, mm-hmm. you'll know where you need to work and you'll do it right. again. Right? Right. Absolutely. And I that, wouldn't let you move the date.
0: <laughs> no, you would not. I had, actually, I had, like, my speech ready. I was like, I'm going to sell her. I'm moving the date. You were like, mm-mm, no. Go take the exam. You're and fine. you passed. It, and I passed. Listen. Oh, my gosh. And that was part. That's when it was four parts. That was part three. And that was the most challenging part. Yep. Um, and I was just so grateful that I got through it. And my mom always remembers you as my manager who wouldn't let me move the date. But that's what I love about your leadership style. It's encouraging. It's motivating. And it pushes people beyond our own self-assigned boundaries. Let me tell I, another you another piece. One
1: mm-hmm. thing though, before you move on, it's funny you say that because because of you, mm. I use that with my own child. Wow. So it's funny because servant leadership. Um, so. The book that I read was The Servant, A Simple Leadership Story, or A Simple Story About Leadership, um, by okay. James C. Hunter. And so I, I use that with you. And then I was, when my child was older, he, um, he was probably 12, and he's a clarinet player and a piano player, but he's a perfectionist like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was trying for regions. And he was messing up scales, right? He's amazing. He can sight read all this crazy stuff. And scales were always his like Achilles heel. Mm -hmm. And he was so frustrated. He's like, I'm just not going to do it. I'll do it next year. And I remember doing the exact same thing. I said, failure is Mm. how you get better. So you go back up there and you study and you practice Mm -hmm. and you fail and you do it again. And he made the honors band that year in Regions. And it was I learned by pushing you that Mm. I can push even if it's not what they want. It's what they Mm -hmm. need. And now he's a senior and he's in wind ensemble one and he is going into um, music therapy is his career choice. And he almost gave up when he was 12 and I wouldn't let him. So you inspired me to be a better parent because of that. So I just wanted to tell you that. (laughs)
0: Had no freaking clue, no freaking clue at all. So that's, it makes it even this conversation and our relationship even more special and impactful. Um, even beyond that, mm-hmm. thinking another favorite memory of, of you and I, I have been in audit for about maybe eight years at that point, And I pretty much had blinders on and I thought, this is going to, this is going to be it. I'm going to stay in audit for the rest of my career. <laughs> And that's that on that. And during one of our one-on-ones, you, you said to me, "I'll never forget. It's clear as day. How will you know that you don't like anything else if if you don't try it?" And that was just like a huge light bulb and aha moment for me. And if you notice, uh, you don't
1: do audit anymore.
0: Anything, <laughs> anything audit related. So now speaking of trying new things and thinking bigger, though you are um, a risk management executive, you probably didn't think your career would go out that way because you studied engineering and undergrad, if I'm not mistaken. Can you walk me through that?
1: Yeah. So my undergrad, I, um, you know, I was always the girl that was, I'm Hispanic, so I'm a minority and I was really good at math and science. And so my guidance counselor in high school was like, you should be an engineer, women in STEM, blah, blah, blah. And this is before STEM was a thing. I'm dating myself, right? So this is 1995.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I sat there and I said, okay, because you're a 17-year-old. What the hell do you know? You're not, you don't know where you're going in life. And I was like, they must know something. (laughs) Right. And so I applied um, and got into MIT. Well, that must mean this is what I'm meant to do. Um. Fast forward a couple of months, MIT wouldn't give me any money. So I ended up going to Stevens Institute of Technology, which is an amazing school. And after the first year, I did an internship. And I said, oh, hold up. Engineers Mm -hmm. usually sit behind a desk or behind a machine. And obviously, Mm -hmm. I like to talk, as you know. And I love people. (laughs) And I was like, this this doesn't Mm -hmm. feel right. But once you're in engineering, I don't know if your listeners know, but your core education is much different than a Bachelor of Science or a Bachelor of Engineer or a Bachelor of Arts. You have to mm-hmm. focus on such technical things that when I looked at changing to something else, it would have meant losing a year and a half of college, and I said, "Wow, I don't know that I'm ready to do all that." Mm-hmm. So I changed my major to something called engineering management, which was okay. How do you lead a team? But it focused on the technical. It focused on total quality management and the concepts of how you get people together to get a task done. But what I really okay. liked was the management side. And so Arthur Anderson at the time, this is before Sarbanes-Oxley, and they were testing the GE model, which was engineers and internal audit. And I said, well, let's internal audit. <laughs> and they said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's how we fix processes, but we're fixing process, not technology. And I said, oh, okay. Well, that's similar to engineering.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had a
1: partner say to me, we're gonna hire you as an, as an experiment, Natasha. I was like, I don't know if I like mm. that, but okay. Right. They're like, we're gonna see how you do. <laughs> You're an intern, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I was like, okay, yeah. but that gave me the impetus to prove it was gonna work. So right. I started my career at Arthur Anderson, and I was there for four years, two years internship, two years mm-hmm. full time, and then we all know what happened, Enron. Yes, do. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a really hard time finding a job, even though I had experience and I was top ranked because I didn't have a finance yeah. degree. And so, luckily, I was tied to a really large client, and so the partner deals were going. I ended up going to Ernst & Young for um, this client, but realizing that if I wanted to make my career in the business world, I needed to get a business degree. And so, I was traveling 80% of the time, and I had just gotten married. It was 2002. I just lost my job and all of this, and I decided... Let's go get an MBA. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so I did mm-hmm. my MBA in accounting because I knew that the career I chose wanted a CPA, and that would get me my CPA. So, in it took me three years um, okay. while traveling, and I had That's both my lot. children in those three years. Yeah, um, superwoman. But it was what made the difference in my life was investing in myself, yeah. and I realized through that MBA course. There was so much more to management than being technically strong. Um, Yeah. And so, but nobody had taught me that the technical skills get you so far, but then it's Mm -hmm. totally different. Leadership is something different. So I um, got my CPA. I got my CIA. I moved. I've been in three corporate. This is my fourth corporate company in risk management. Okay. But Mm -hmm. I've evolved from being an auditor, which is, here's your problem. Go fix it. I'll come check on you in a year to being a fixer, Mm -hmm. which I love. So I have evolved my career similar to you. I stepped over to the management side. And it was scary because it's really easy to tell you, here's what's wrong. Go fix it. I'll go check on you. It's a lot different to be vested Mm in. Let me fix it for you. And it's on me if it doesn't work.
0: (laughs) Right. And I'm sure your business partners appreciate that so much more. Yeah,
1: because I'm right there with them um, on the journey. And so it was was an interesting change, but it's what taught me that you never know, right? If you don't try, I could have Mm -hmm. had a great career in engineering and probably been really good at it. But it wasn't Mm -hmm. what sparked passion in my life.
0: Yeah. You talked about um, in your transition into leadership Mm -hmm. that um, having technical expertise only got you so far. Can you talk to me about some of the challenges you faced as a new leader?
1: It's a little embarrassing. It's something that, um, as I look back on, makes me a little sad. So I was always technically the best. If you had a situation, you'd call me in, I'd get in there, I'd dig, I'd find, I'd learn really fast. And um, not to boost my, but this is what I do, right? I, I call myself a jack of all trades, master of none. I'm really good at going in, mm-hmm. learning it, helping you, and then moving on to the next thing because I tend to get bored. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But I'm also really good because I worked in consulting for eight years. There's a deadline. It's got to get done you don't move the deadline. I'm not going to a CFO and telling them I couldn't meet your go-live date, right? That just, you don't have that option. So I managed my teams, but I didn't lead my teams. And so Mm -hmm. I saw an opportunity to make director and I went after it by slowly taking on the responsibilities of a director until the point Mm -hmm. where my boss says, um, you're doing really good, you're an exceeds expectation. I said, why am I not an outstanding if I'm doing the job a level above me? And he goes, well, I've never given anybody an outstanding. I said, that's fine. I'll give you six months and at year end, if there's something you think I need to work on, tell me and I'll take an exceeds. If not, you need to promote me to director and we -hmm. need to start working that way. So six months comes by, it was January, 2011. I got promoted. Because I advocated for myself. And I was like, nice. I got this. I'm awesome. Right? Mm-hmm. Fast forward to August 2011, I got put on a PIP, a performance improvement plan. Wow. And it hit me so hard. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I've never not exceeded at what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And what I heard was, I get the job done, but at the expense of my team. I work them really hard. I expect a lot from them, but I'm not necessarily helping them get there. And I reflected on that. And so the HR leader at the time at the company said to me, I'm going to lend you a book. I want you to read this book. And so I referred to it before. It was The Servant by James C. Hunter. Mm-hmm. I have never read a self-help book. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like uh-huh. when I read, I want to escape the world, and I love me some Game yes. of Thrones and fantasy and whatnot, right? Yeah. But this was a really short book, and I was like, "I, I yeah. can read this fine." And I didn't buy it. And I spent a weekend reading this book. And the really cool thing mm. about the book is it's not written in a "you must do this, you must do this." It is the story of this man who is suffering a crisis in his career, in his Mm. life as a parent. And he's just, he's GM of a factory and he's just fought off a union trying to come into his factory, but he thinks it's not him. And so, and he's struggling with his teenage son and he's struggling with his therapist wife. And so his pastor says, you need to go to this seminar and it's at a monastery. And so immediately when I read the back of this, I was like, this is a religious book. And there are some references, but it's not. It's not. It's a leadership book. And so he ends up at this monastery, and it turns out that the monk who is teaching the course was this industry of like Titan, right? He had fixed Southeast Airlines back in the day when they were going under. And he walked away when his wife died because he realized there was more to life and he became a monk. But he teaches this servant leadership. And it's six people in the class, and they all come from different – so there's a basketball coach, very much like B, right? Task, get it done. There's mm-hmm. a sergeant from the Army. There's a nurse who works in um, health care. And so all these people – and this GM and a couple of other folks. So they come from different backgrounds. So it's a discussion challenging this thought mm-hmm. of servant leadership. And you watch how over a seven-day conference, these people – change their mindset but really Mm -hmm. it's all about the only one that can change is you and the way to be a leader is not through power it's through authority and Mm -hmm. being a manager gets the job done being a leader moves us forward and it was about I love that people think it's what they want but it's really what they need Mm -hmm. and so the story you told about your CIA You wanted me to Mm -hmm. tell you it's okay. You wanted me to give you more time. You needed Mm -hmm. me to tell you you were ready. You needed me to tell you, go do this. And if you fail, we'll do it again, right? Right. And that message isn't what you wanted to hear, but you listened, which is on you, right? You can either tell me, go screw Natasha, you don't know me, or you can go (laughs) do it, right? Right, right. That was the difference in in learning the difference between what your people need and what your people want is transforming. And it also taught me to trust my people. Yeah, Get out of their way. (laughs) Because I realized, like, I know I'm a fixer. So what's the first thing I do is I know how to get from A to Z. But your A to Z might be a little bit different. And it'll be just That's as right. effective. So I just tell you, I need you to get to Z. Right. You figure out how. And if you need help, come ask me. And so right. that book, in a weekend, transformed wow. my life. And so then when you asked me to come talk to you now, I was like, oh, I better go reread that book. Because it's been, it's been a little <laughs> bit, right? So I downloaded it on Audible two weeks ago. It's a six-hour yeah. listen. And I actually mm-hmm. found it more powerful on Audible because I'm a, I'm a, I love to hear things. Um, yes. And I was taking notes the entire time and I was like, mm-hmm. it reflected to me how much it actually changed my leadership style. And the only reason I am where I am today, and this is saying a lot, right? Is that one book mm-hmm. and that wow. one strategy that took me from being a manager and a task goal completion Mm -hmm. person to a strategic leader who thinks about what her people needs in order to drive the organization and them forward.
0: Right. Now, have you ever had an experience working with a servant leader?
1: Yes. So my current leader is a servant leader. Um, and I got to tell you, he (laughs) he was my mentor and he's now my leader. Um, And it's funny because your conversations change when it's your leader. So when he's your mentor, Mm -hmm. you say anything. And so I made the mistake of saying anything. Um, Uh And he called me on it. And it has made the last six months so much better and changed my approach. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a VP if it kills me.
0: You're going to.
1: But I needed him to tell me there was a better way to go about it. And Mm -hmm. he wasn't afraid to give me a hard message. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I appreciate that in retrospect, right? Like you don't like when you're hearing it or living it, but in in the background, those are the people who change your life.
0: Right, agree. Now, have you had any challenges um, working or being a servant leader, especially when working with professionals across different generation. Yes.
1: When you go into industry, there are career senior auditors. There are career um, people who've, it's a slower path. If they didn't start in uh, public accounting, which has every year you get promoted, it's much different for those that came through industry. And so I lead teams over the last 10 years of people older than me. And so yeah. there is a weird dichotomy of you want to respect your elders. I mean, I'm Latin. Mm-hmm. You're taught to respect your elders, right? Right. And, but I need to tell them what they need to get to the next level. This woman never complains. But she wants to be a director. And that's cool. And so I say to her, okay, well, what do you need to be a director? I don't know. I said, well, you need to figure that out. I can't tell you, right? So we we took a step back and had a very different conversation from what do I need her to do for me, which is what she's always asking. What do you need from me? What do you need from me? Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you need from me, right? right? And it took her back a little bit. And I said, well, let's take a step back. You want to be a director. What does that mean? What do you think a director is? Let's go figure that out. And so had her right. go do some conversations with a lot of different people and pulled job descriptions. They said, where do you think you are?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And where's the gaps, right? So she gave me this IDP and the right. IDP was like, goal, director. I said, no, no, no. The goal is what do you need to close the gap to be director? <laughs> right?" right? Exactly. And so we worked through that and now, you know, she's working on that path, but it's a different conversation because they're so taught to tell you, I just got to get the job done. What do you need? What do you need? But they also have the need to be promoted and the need to be recognized. And so Mm -hmm. teaching them to think differently and tell me what they need is a really different approach. Uh I now ask them what they need because they're not as forthcoming in telling me and they'll kind of just get their job done, but they won't be fully satisfied. And a right. satisfied person is an am, is a much more productive person.
0: Yeah. Performs much yeah. better. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So speaking about satisfaction and success, talk to me about how being a servant leader has contributed to your own personal success.
1: It's everything. Um, so what I learned mm. was, you know, I talked about being really technically good at what you do. That gets you so far. What a servant mm-hmm. leadership has taught me is that it's all about authority, influencing without authority, and it's mm-hmm. not about power. Power gets you so far. People will do things out of fear, but they'll just do it to yeah. get it done. As a servant leader, if you're giving your people what they need and what they crave, they're driven to do so much more and you allow your department, your team, your company to push in ways that you could never do if all you had was a task. The other thing it's taught me is I have a lot to learn from every person in my organization. And if I just listen Mm -hmm. to what they need and help them, they're going to teach me something. And that just improves me and improves them and improves the entire situation for the company. Um, Mm-hmm. But exactly. <laughs> they don't want to have to worry about controls so it's about teaching right. them why it's important and why it's what they need and why the end result will be better for them so i use it not with my staff right. but i use it with my partners with my consultants with everybody if i know what they need yeah. then i can get them to understand why it's important
0: that, that's a powerful that's a powerful statement especially for folks who work in risk management and things like that it's it's We typically have to work with our business partners to have them understand the Mm -hmm. long game um, and and how to balance what we do um, to to align with with what they're looking to to achieve. Now, let me ask you this. What are some common misconceptions that people have
1: about leaders? People think that we know everything. And so if you go back Mm -hmm. to Jack of all trades, master of none, um, I well, a leader that tells you they know everything is flawed because there's no way anybody can know everything, right? I'm 43. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning every day. And Mm -hmm. as a risk manager, you're always put into a situation where you're working with someone who's an expert at something and you're not, right? Because you have to go in, you have to learn, you have to find the issue and help them. So at the end of the day, People think you have to be the master of everything and you know everything and you can make every decision on a dime. The reality is you have to know how to fill your team with people who know the things you need them to know. And you have to learn how to rely on those people and trust their judgment. And so leaders who hire people that are just going to do what they want and yes men, they'll get their job done. Mm -hmm. But they're not going to drive the organization forward. Leaders need to hire people who are smarter than them. And that can be an ego check sometimes.
0: But -hmm. your best
1: leaders know their limitations and know how to fill those roles. Managers hire people to get the task done. And so I think people forget that as a leader, you have to put your ego in check and you have to do a really hard assessment of yourself and come back and say, my weakness, for example, is I'm good at getting things done, but I'm really bad at doing a project management role because mm-hmm. I don't want to be in the details. And so the first thing I needed right. to hire was that if people think that my leader knows everything, you're not going to be, you're not going to go very far. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: So I think the biggest misconception Agreed. is that just because you've gotten to a certain level in your career that you're the expert. And now there are some technical experts that get to high levels and those are individual contributors, but that's actually rare. Most leaders have a team that support them and help them. And so your best leaders are those that bring those teams to the table and let them shine. I
0: love that. So as professionals are looking for new roles or looking to move to new teams and so forth and so on, one of the things that I like to remind people, and I know we talk about this a lot, and our Urban Girl Corporate World mm-hmm. Facebook community, which Natasha and is I love. a member of. Um, yes, I love the group too. Um, we, we've created a really, really special mm-hmm. space there. But interviews are two ways. So as the company is interviewing you to understand if you're a fit for the role Do you have any cues that professionals should look for in interviews to determine the type of leader that they may be working with? So it's
1: funny you say that. I remember when I interviewed for um, my second job out of public accounting, and Mm -hmm. this is where the company where I went from manager to director. So I was interviewing for the manager role, and I was asking all these technical questions, right? Mm -hmm. And the man who became my uh, leader stopped me and said, what you really should be asking me is what kind of leader I am, how do I manage? And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. And I was like, (laughs) okay, what kind of leader are you? And I realized that someone that I'm interviewing, if they're asking me questions about my leadership style, the culture in the company, the um, Mm -hmm. how to be effective within the organization What are the challenges I Mm -hmm. face to getting things done or getting people on board? Those are the people that are asking the right questions. I mean, it's great to ask me questions about Mm -hmm. the company and you need to do that because you need to make sure that you're showing an interest and you've read the 10 K and you've read all the press releases or you understand because that shows interest in the company. Those other questions show interest in being an influencer, right? So Mm -hmm. the, but as, a, as an interviewee, you want someone who's asking you questions about those things, too, not just your technical skills. Your resume, look, I'm going to look at 10 resumes. They're all going to say the same thing. There'll be something that draws me to that resume. You know, oh, they went to a top school or, oh, they did some really interesting project and I want to learn more about that. But at the end of the day, if you've made it to the interview room, You probably have the technical skills to do the job, right? Right. Now what I need to do is figure out, do you have the skills to be effective in my organization? Do you have the skills Mm -hmm. to lead a team, especially if I'm interviewing for a leader, right? How do you get the best out of your teams? How do you deal with conflict? how do you deal with a leader who is Mm -hmm. not going to listen to you, but you have to get the job done? And so those types of questions are what a leader should be asking you in an interview. If they're asking you only technical questions, that should be a red flag to you because that means they're Mm -hmm. focused on the task, not the outcome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: What advice do you have for new leaders?
1: You don't know everything. (laughs)
0: And you're going to make mistakes.
1: And if Mm. you go in there thinking you've got this, that's your first mistake. Mm. And if you go in there thinking you know more than your folks, that's your second mistake. So I Mm -hmm. learn from my teams every day from my first-year staff all the way through to my leaders. And listening is really the biggest thing. So if you go in there saying, I got this, this is what we're doing, and this is the direction – You're probably in the wrong direction because that's only your thought to have confidence in yourself. If you show a flaw in your confidence, Mm -hmm. then people will take advantage of that. So what I mean by that is you have to be confident enough to make a decision with the details you have at the time. But then you also have to be confident enough to change that decision if new facts present themselves. Don't tie yourself to the original decision and die by that because it shows that you don't learn and it shows that you are very rigid and you're only headed towards a goal, not a path. Um, And then the last thing is thinking that you know the only way to do something. So I think you and I were talking before, there's always a path. I know the end goal is Z, right? I gotta get there, I'm starting a day, I gotta get to Z. My path might be very different than your path because we're different people. But if your path gets you Mm -hmm. there in a reasonable amount of time and it's a more comforting path for you, I need to let you take that path and just sit back and I need to let you learn from your Mm -hmm. mistakes. It's kind of like the child that touches the hot stove is never gonna touch a stove again. It's the same thing. Um, But Mm -hmm. those are the things that I probably wish somebody had told me when I became a leader.
0: As I mentioned earlier, Natasha and I are both members of the Urban Girl Corporate World Facebook community. And one of the things that I've given the members to do this season is to create a roster of questions that they would like to ask the different podcast guests. So I want to wrap today's conversation with one of those questions for you, Envy. If you could give yourself one piece of advice before you started your career, what would it have been and why?
1: So, oh, my God, I can think of so many things. Um, the biggest thing is, <laughs> is realizing that invest. And not just your technical skills, because that's what they'll tell you. I remember the first eight years in public accounting, every one of my reviews was increase your technical knowledge, read, da, da, da. There was never mm-hmm. feedback on work on how you work with people, communication, communication. And what I realized is when you get to a certain point in your career, if you want to be a leader, and not everybody does. I mean, my husband never wants to lead people in his life. He's very happy in his spreadsheets, and that's great. So technical is important for him. But if you Mm -hmm. see yourself as an aspirational leader or, you know, in any function, be it in your church, your community, work, anything, you have to realize that the skills are, it's not about your technical skills, it's about your capabilities. And that's an important differentiator, right? So capabilities are things that transfer across jobs. So like you, Nicole, I mean, remember when you moved out of risk management, that conversation about it's, you never know if you don't try. What made you successful wasn't your audit skills. It was your communication, it was your presence, it was your confidence, it was your ability to think and ability to listen, right? Those things translate across any job. And so a good leader, yes, you have some concentration that you're good at. For you and me, it's risk management, but risk management is broader than audit, right? For others, it's transformation or it's financials. But you can do multiple disciplines, and lead multiple disciplines. If you focus on those soft skills and they sound really to somebody who's um, very analytical and very goal soft skills, touchy feely. I can't tell you <laughs> well, how much I wish in high school, in college, in early in my career, there had been someone telling me that because I would have advanced faster, I would have been a better leader to the people right. who worked for me. And I would have, you're probably my first mm-hmm. um, success story because it I was coming out of that pip and coming to meet you. And I was like, oh, I get it now. Um, you're also who I'm most proud yeah. of. I just want to say that. Like, your success has blown me Aww. away. I love watching you um, through the Urban Girl podcast or through anything. Just... It blows me away, but it was because I had switched my style to use those other skills that I was able Mm -hmm. to help you in some small way towards your path, right? And end of the day, Mm -hmm. if you're just starting your career, spend the hundred bucks, the 200 bucks, and I know it sounds like a lot of money, or get your company to pay for it. Get out there and understand your communication style. Understand how you need to adapt your communication style to others because you can never expect others to adapt to you. That's falsehood. Even as a leader, I don't expect my staff to adapt mm-hmm. to me because what's gotten them successful is their style. I need to adapt to them and then continue to push them. Right. So invest in your soft skills. Right. They can be learned. Um, and they can be perfected.
0: So a couple of gems from today's session that stood out to me. I, I'm going to start with that one. Your technical ability will only get you so far. Invest in your soft skills. The second one, the best leaders have their egos in check, know their limitations, and staff yep. their teams to fill their own gaps. And last, probably one of the most impactful, and the whole reason why we came together today, leadership is not about telling people what to do. It's about giving them what they yep, need to
1: do. That's, that's it in a nutshell. You're much more succinct and elegant than I am, which is why you do what you do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Envy, I really appreciate you making the time to talk servant leadership with Thank me today. Thank you so it's much. I really appreciate it
1: and uh, keep doing what you're doing. You add so much value to the world.
0: Thank you. So for those who are listening, the book that Envy talked about is called The Servant, a simple story about the true essence of leadership by James C. Hunter. So definitely go to your favorite bookstore, Amazon, and pick that up. And thanks to all of you listeners for joining us. Please head over to facebook.com slash groups slash urban girl to join Natasha, myself and over 600 women from all over the world in our Facebook community and tune in next week for more lessons learned, money earned. And I'm going to switch it up this week and wrap with a quote from the one and only Reverend Run. A good leader wins a war, but a phenomenal leader avoids one. Later.
1: Girl, you got it. Got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Girl, you got it. Cayó you got it. Wow. para you got it. you got it. you got it. you got it. Wow. you got it. you got it. you got it.